Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Thank you. Father, we praise your holy name and we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for revealing to you. Oh, you've revealed some things to me and and I praise you for that um, in regard to my thoughts and behaviors. And I just want to thank you and I praise you, Father, for also revealing things to other people. Um, I I know it doesn't all happen at the same time, um, but if we are listening very carefully to you or to how you speak to us in so many different ways, you do impart your incredible wisdom uh, into our lives so that we're able to make adjustments and um, increase the magnitude of our hope to make the barley harvest, the first fruits harvest, uh, the first, if you will, major slippery escape, from, as it says in the uh, Hebrew in Daniel 12, for the word delivered, slippery escape, that is going to be happening. And Father, I don't think there's a single one of us, um, not that we don't want to serve you, because we absolutely do. If there's any opportunity that you can lay before us, any holy ground that we can stand on before, you know, on behalf of your incredible throne, on behalf of our Lord Jesus, please use us. Uh, as the scripture says in Isaiah 6, 8, we heard the voice of the Lord saying, who, who, shall, who, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And, and Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. And Father, we want to be those who you sent. We want to be those who are at the ready to touch other people's lives as you lay or, or uh, I don't want to use the word lay before us, but certainly present before us opportunities where we can help other believers in their walk, uh, whether it be through united prayer, whether it be through spiritual warfare, but let us, Father God, chip in and do whatever it is we can do beyond prayer. Not that prayer isn't bar none the most important uh, uh, thing that you want us to do, uh, because I believe that that is true. I know that many others believe it is true. I believe it was revealed. Well, it's also revealed through your scriptures. So incredibly, obviously, when our eyes are opened. And we thank you for that, Father God. We thank you for everything. We praise you for the changes that many of us are instilling upon our lives, adjustments that we're making to our behaviors on account of the revealing that you have been giving to given to some of us. Uh, for those of us who perhaps have not received any insight on some of those behavioral changes, Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus in a unified manner that you will reveal those things to them. Father, we pray that you will impart upon the hearts and the minds, the soul, the spirit of every single uh, pe person that's listening to this program, whether it is live in the stream or whether it is in a podcast later. Father, we pray all together in Jesus' name that you will, in accordance with James 1, verse 5, uh, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given them. Father, we pray that you will reveal your wisdom. Help us to understand that you speak to us through street signs. Help us to understand that you speak to us through children. Help us to understand that you speak to us through unbelievers. Help us to understand that you speak to us through casual conversation, through text messages, through emails, through the perfect timing of your throne room. Help us to understand that these are the dynamics that we live in and that we're hungry to be able to hear from you. and knowing that you are talking to us probably on, on a continuous basis, but unfortunately because of some of our own distractions, uh, trying to just, you know, feed our families, uh, can, you know, keep our jobs, uh, you know, whatever those, whatever those dynamics are in our lives, Father God, that are distracting us, we pray that you will forgive us. We're trying so hard. Many of us are not, maybe not everybody, but many of us are definitely trying so hard to be as 
perfect as we possibly can in your eyes, uh, that you might actually cho- choose us, not just call us, but to actually choose us to be part of the bride, to be adorned as a bride in the new Jerusalem when, when it descends upon the earth uh, after all of the incredibly dark things that are about to happen are made manifest, that the your full word is exposed upon the earth through the book of Revelation that we already know that we've entered into, which aligns and overlaps with all of it discourse, Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. Father, we just praise your name. We see all the evidence of, uh, you know, uh, not, not 100% of it, but we see the, if, if we don't see the evidence of full-blown manifestation of the things that Jesus warned us about, we clearly do see um, the pre precursor events that are leading up to the full-blown manifestation of the things that Jesus warned us about. I think we're seeing a little bit of every every element, every attribute of those things uh, at this time, and um, it is, uh, you know, it, it it's a burden at times, and it can and it and if left unchecked, it can draw us into a kind of a pit of self despair and and depression uh and we need help and assistance from you father and through the presence of the holy spirit and jesus you and our and, and you know it is we who have died and it is you who lives within us and we pray that you will through the power of the godhead through the power of the holy spirit through your divine presence in each of us that you will help to pull us out of that pit before we fall completely into it because it just doesn't lead to a good place and it can take a long time it can it can take months, sometimes even longer, to pull yourself completely back out of it. And I don't think we ever completely get out of it, but I, but it, we're always, you know, dangling on the precipice of, of, of that, that, you know, misery that's associated with knowing a little bit too much about the times that we're in right now and realizing so many millions, if not billions of people are not seeing it. But Father, we praise you for helping us to be able to see it, even though it comes with it a very, very high price. And um, and we just thank you for that. Um, I, it, it's hard to believe, you know, Father, sometimes that we are praising you, uh, you know, for hardship. Um, and I praise you also, Father God, and happily and cheerfully love to pull out of my pocket now this new laminate card that I carry with me, 2 Corinthians 12.10. Therefore, as Paul said when he was talking about his torn in the flesh, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Let us all, Father God, in the name of Jesus, have that imparted upon our spirits as we wake up in the morning and we are preparing ourselves by raising our hands up to you, sitting on the side of our bed. We haven't even stood up at this point and we raise our hands to you and we say thank you father thank you for the day that is ahead of us we praise you for a cheerful attitude we are going to smile we are going to embrace we are going to remember that we are in a type of a hologram it is clearly that it is so clear that we are living in a hologram we are living in a a very bizarre and strange movie we may have quipped quipped about it uh, over the years a tongue in cheek uh, and and certainly quoted people like Einstein, et cetera, who, who said things like, you know, we live in a, a hologram, albeit a very convincing one. But, Father, when we come to the 
revelation that we do indeed live in a type of a hologram and we and we embrace that um it, it i i find it fantastically helpful to be able to in, to further and to to better let's say better endure um the trials the tribulations the the difficulties uh that we all should be taking pleasure in because i believe with all of my heart that um that pleasure that we ought to be taking in our difficulties, knowing that we are in a type of a hologram, uh, is uh, makes the digestion of those dynamics so much more easy. So, uh, not that they aren't stressful; they are. Uh, not that that the you know the possible uh, realization and uh, you know when that when that hologram becomes a very real aspect of our life, as it did for Jesus at the time that he was being taken to the cross and to to the horrible things that he had to go through as we you know father if it is all possible take this cup from me nevertheless not my will but your will be done lord thank us thank you for helping us to be able to see lord jesus and our father we praise you for helping us to be able to see that even jesus when he was in this hologram was very deeply troubled about that which he was going to have to go through and how very real it actually is and and it makes it it it, it doesn't really make it a whole lot easier when we when we recognize that suffering can take on forms here on this earth even though it is uh temporal as the scripture says um and not the true existence that we're looking forward to uh but yet it, 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 it certainly does help us to be able to stand back and look at all of the things that we have gone through over our lives, all of the things in the supernatural, uh, big as well as many miracles that we are hopefully experiencing relatively frequency, frequently in our walks, uh, even now. And we pray, Father, collectively we get together for two or more are gathered together in your name, Father God. We just pray in Jesus' name, please, uh, if you would continue on behalf of all of our fellow brothers and sisters that are praying to you right now, uh, that you will continue to real, reveal to them your wisdom, as it says in Psalm 51. Reveal to us your wisdom, Father God, um, and help us to, as it says in James 1, 5, and, and there's the harmony of the scriptures, um, Old Testament, the New Testament, Father, we praise you for that, but reveal to our hearts that which needs to change. Help us to be perseverant in our prayers in that manner, because I can, I, I admit openly before everyone in my praise to you that some of the behaviors that I had in my life, I did not want to let go of, as you know, and it was until the the supernatural revelation that you presented to me through another believer that doesn't even realize that they presented it to me, um, uh, it wasn't until that occurred that I knew. It was the out-of-place nature of what was said that caused me to know beyond any shadow of a doubt, Father, that that was you giving me a warning about how I felt about a particular behavior that was a part of my life. And I just praise you, Father, for helping me to be able to understand, and I pray that I can impart upon others to understand how subtle that still small voice of yours can be in our lives. And if we're not paying attention to it, it's likely that we're going to miss it. And it could be something so crucially important that it might preclude us from being able to be and to and 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 you know to to make that first fruits barley harvest and that's what we we don't 
necessarily strive. Well, you know what? I think Father God, I, I'm not gonna I'm not going to suggest because I know that you see deeply into each of our hearts. You have written uh, you know, all of our works really about us, you know, since before there was, you know, as it says in Psalm one thirty nine, uh, in our books, uh, you know, every day of our life was written in, in the books, you know, in, in our books, uh, and that you knew us before uh, you know, we were born. And and you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to make manifest every single one of those days, you know, because we, we are given free will. We make lots of mistakes in our walk. Uh, so that certainly strongly indicates that even though every one of those works were written in our books um, before we were born on the earth, um, it, it, it st- strongly seems to indicate, I would, I would submit certainly to me, that um, our own personal choices can cause us to deviate from some of those things that you wrote in our books for that were intent that we were intended to walk in father we don't want to miss we don't want to miss we love you 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 you are awesome you are awesome father god reveal to us through your glory reveal to us through the spitzer space telescope reveal to us uh you know in the firmament the painting of the glorious heavens out there, Father God, that are not some kind of a hologram, that we're helping us to understand that we are able to peer out of our hologram and into the eternal realm, understanding how glorious uh, things, uh, you know, whether it be through testimony, uh, how glorious all of, you know, that which we are unable to obtain, that which we are unable to touch in our walk here at this time is, and to and to to be excited about it to be to to be just imp- uh, what's the right word? Just overwhelmed with a desire to keep our mind stayed on things above and not on things of this earth. Colossians three two and three. Praise you, Father. Father, we want to be that. We don't. We want to be the beatitudes. We want to hear your still small voice. We need to hear your wisdom now. We pray in the name of Jesus for every one of our other fellow brothers and sisters who may not have heard yet, who are praying to you and saying, Father, I lay my life down before you. I I give you my body as a holy a sacrifice. Holy and acceptable is my spiritual service of worship to you. I need to hear from you to understand if there are any behaviors in my life, any feelings that I have in my heart, anything that I need to make adjustments on so that we can walk a little bit more closer in harmony with your perfect will. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will bring it before the Father as our advocate and that you will um, help make these miracles of of wisdom manifestation, for lack of a better term, uh, appear to each of us in whatever way is necessary to capture our attention, to uh, motivate us to make those changes, to strive with your help, of course, with your help, uh, to move to that next place that you want to bring us uh, as we watch and pray. Uh, in accordance with our instruction, the things that are happening across the world that are closing, that appear, uh, certainly, to those of us who are awake and aware, uh, that appear to be closing in on us rather rapidly. Now, of course, Father, we also recognize, and we praise you for this, that because of our viewpoint, our vantage point, because we've been in accordance with your incredible loving kindness and mercy, we have been privy uh, to uh, many of these extremely esoteric and 
creepy uh, dynamics that are happening across the world, uh, you know, for many years. And so that gives us, you know, uh, this is not a puffed up thing. Of course, you know that father looking upon my heart, but it gives us an, a type of an advantage that can work for us or against us. Uh, you know, if it depresses us, it works against us. If it, were, if it motivates us, it works for us. And Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will help, help us to be able to embrace all the things that we see happening and have the wisdom to understand, not, not just the wisdom that we, we are beseeching you to present to each of us in a manner that we are able to hear uh, for our own, for the changes that you need to have made manifest in our walks so that we draw in closer to you in better perfection, more sanctification, more holiness and righteousness, that it comes only from you, not from us, uh, but but requires our efforts. Uh, but also, Father God, we pray that you will um, uh, continue to impart upon us, help us to, to, to know in our hearts that we are being shown the things that we're being shown, uh, and to know when it's, you know, not wise to bring those revelations up to our family, up to our daughters, up to our sons, up to our grandparents, up to our aunts and uncles, and just just friends and people at work or whatever the case may be. Father, just please, we pray, that you will impart upon us a supernatural wisdom through the presence of the Holy Spirit within us to understand when it's just best to not say anything at all and just allow um, uh, your will to be done by virtue of your I will submit your angels and the presence of the Holy Spirit that may be operating under open heavens. Uh, I, I have to meet, I, I don't mean to say it, I have to, but I am very pleased and honored to be able to meet my daughter uh, tomorrow at lunch. And, um, uh, you know, unless something goes wrong, and I don't anticipate that happening, praise you, Jesus. But also, Father, I'm asking you to impart upon my heart wisdom whereby virtue of my presence and the presence of the Holy Spirit around me, that that it would drive conversation, drive questions, and open opportunities to share a little, not a lot, just a little, because uh, it does us no good to share a little too much where the person, whoever that person may be, might recoil out of fear. We don't want to cause that to happen, Father God. We want to present an open door to testify to anybody that we might have the opportunity to touch uh, about how exciting all this actually is uh, when the vast majority of people that you will typically bring before us will not be uh, at a place in their walk where they're able to be able to, you know, they're able to be able to, or what is the right way to say in this? They're able to receive it without it sending a lightning bolt of fear uh, through, their, through their very existence. Um, it, it, and so we just thank you for every opportunity, Father, that you are willing to give to us. We know that you will not, probably, probably not, uh, place uh, us on holy ground where we can touch and minister to other people's lives unless we're ready unless we're ready. Uh, help us to recognize when those opportunities do arise arise in our lives. Help us to be able to see those as the opportunities that they are and to use very carefully chosen words, very carefully chosen wisdom, and not throw the whole um, 
story. Uh, the whole the, the too much information at an individual so that they recoil. Father, that that just doesn't. It's not. It's bad fishing. It's bad fishing for fish, and we don't want to be bad fishermen. Uh, we want to wisely bait our hooks and capture the imagination of the fish, and it requires control on our part temperament on our part, wisdom on our part, and incredible patience on our part. And we're asking you in Jesus' name to, to uh, Im, Im, imbue upon our spirits through the presence of the Holy Spirit into us uh, a supernatural understanding of what we can say and what we can't say and to help us to keep our mouths quiet when it is in it, when it will trouble the heart of the other individual in a manner that would prevent us from being able to share the hope and the awesome joy that we have when we are able to divorce ourselves from uh, the unfortunate hologram driven reality that we're trapped in right now uh, you know and uh, focus as we're um, expected to in the scripture on the glory that you have laid before us and we thank you for that father we praise you and we just ask you once again uh, please if there are any behaviors that any of us have any that need to be adjusted any feelings that we have in our hearts Whatever it may be, reveal it to us. If we don't hear it the first time you tell it to us, if we're not responding to a nagging feeling in our heart, please speak louder. Please be just a bit more obvious so that it breaks through the squelch, the noise level of the darkness that we are being subjected to on this earth right now. Father, we don't know these things for sure, but earlier today in a conversation, as you know, I was blessed very early in the morning, 4.30, actually probably closer to 5, to, ha to have an event occur and a possible revelation of wisdom imparted upon my heart that perhaps over the last 12 years, as we were looking, bringing various guests on the show, doing, five, I guess by now, 5,000-plus radio shows over all these years, times when there were satanic ritual ceremonies occurring at CERN, for example, Events that people claim with great passion were the unleashing of or breaking down of barriers, spiritual demonic barriers that were unleashing the hordes of hell upon the earth. And looking back upon these last 12 years and realizing the possibility, indeed probable, the probability or likelihood that Many of those events were probably doing exactly that. To the point where we stand right now on this planet, with a level of oppression and darkness surrounding us that is unlike anything that has ever occurred in the history of the earth. In fact, this is reflective of the very scripture that is written in Daniel 12. 
So we know it's true. It is written in your word. We know that the Antichrist will have a period where he tires the saints. This is reflective in the, uh, in the metaphorical woman, the first group, the first metaphorical woman who's taken away to a place of safety where she is fed for times, times, half a time. In, in Revelation chapter 12, the first appearance of that woman, which is the first group of servants that are sent out by the great king in Matthew 22, before you send out the other servants. And Father, we want to be a part of that group. We want to believe from the bottom of our heart that maybe in accordance with the parable of the uh, workers in the vineyard, that we have not shown up too late, that we are asking out of true heartfelt desire, not only to serve you now, to the best of our ability through prayer, through praying for the lost, through spiritual warfare, through teaming up with one another when we can, um, touching other people's lives when we have that opportunity, filling people's gas tanks with, with gasoline when they're hunting through their purses for a couple of quarters, um, paying for groceries at, at a grocery store when we have that opportunity and see the person is struggling to buy a loaf of bread and a little bit of you know, hot dog meat. Father, thank you for these opportunities. Thank you for blessing your children. Thank you for blessing your servants. And, and in such a manner, and may it, that blessing overflow us and touch others as much as your heart would desire, Father. Let us walk in that perfect harmony with your will. Your will be done. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father God, forever and ever. Amen. Tonight is the 23rd of Nisan, 5783. It is the counting of the Omer, day eight. And Omers are barley sheaves, which is awesome. Boy, would I like to believe that that barley harvest would happen. If we're on day eight, I guess we got to go to like 49, up to Shavuot. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was a marking of the day that we leave, but, you know, and, and it could be, but I, I'm still, I cannot help but be of the impression in my heart, and I know that there's a hypercycle taking place out there right now, folks. Praise Jesus. I just want to share that with you. I know, and I'm very, very, very aware that there is a rapture hypercycle in play at this time. I have had um, multiple people, praise Jesus, it's it's kind of a sad thing for me because those of us who have been, um, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll just simply say it like this. You know, for those of us, you know, for those of you who have suffered along my journey for the last 12 years, um, you know, come July, which is right around the corner, um, you are painfully aware and have suffered through a large number of rapture hypercycles. I'm not going to name any names, folks, but I can tell you uh, I've, I've seen it all. I mean, I really, 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 really have, even to the point where very anointed people would like have a radio show or whatever, and they would come on it after they incorrectly called a date saying that the Lord told them that there was, you know, the rapture was going to occur next week or whatever the day was, and then come forward and, um, you know, cry literally cry, ball, 
on their radio show because they felt that they were a false prophet. Um, what I don't understand, and, and I, I, I never will, are those who unabashedly proclaim over and over and over and over and over and over again that the next rapture date is this date or that date, and they never stop. I just don't understand it, but they never stop, and they think it's okay to just reset, reset the date, reset the date, reset the date over and over again, and one humongous, heart-wrenching, breaking disappointment after another, but yet they don't seem to realize that that's what they're doing. It's okay, I guess. I don't know. That's for you to decide, Father. I don't want anybody to get in trouble. I believe me, I don't know, because otherwise I get lumped into that group too. And I, I don't. I, I pray in Jesus' name for all of us, Father God. Isaiah forty-three twenty-five, for where it says, "I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance, and let us contend." together. State your case that you may be acquitted. And Father, we have Jesus. And we praise you for him. We thank you for being our Savior. And Jesus, we thank you for being our Savior. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one and separate. Praise your name. There is a hypercycle that is currently out there right now, and it is it is a it's a powerful one. And I'm seeing emails, for example, from my one sister, multiple, saying this is what's going to happen 24 hours before the rapture, and people are just getting all kinds of pumped up about it. I'm hearing about it from multiple, you know, I'm hearing that hypercycle information from multiple sources. Um, I will not participate in them at any more ever. Um, I just won't. Um, and it's it's my choice. I'm not telling you not to. If, if you're okay with living a roller coaster ride of hope, massive disappointment, hope, massive disappointment, hope, massive disappointment, hope, massive, di- if, you're the, if that's who you are, if that's who you are as a human being, God bless you. Go for it. Ride the ride that roller coaster. Enjoy your hypercycles. Praise God. Um, but in my walk over the last twelve years, I rode every hypercycle in the first three or four years of the radio show, and um, I really, really believed with all of my heart because of the prophecies, the dreams, the visions, and the sheer magnitude and number of them. That, um, you know, I I was astonished when Donald Trump won the election because Glenda, you know, I'm not picking on her, but I'm just saying Glenda Jackson was on the program. She has a long, long history. God bless her. And, but she did say that if that, that she did say if the if the Lord, uh, you know, if 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 got something along the line of God, if God's people do not turn into a, a house of prayer or something like that. This bad stuff is going to happen. So it wasn't like you can't really say that Glenda's 
prophecy was wrong because the the thing is we don't know. We don't you and me, we don't have the ability to know what God deems as adequate. That's why Abraham was going like, well, what about 50? What about 10? You know, and the father was like, nope, no way. Sodom is burning. We don't know what's good enough for father for our father. We don't know what's good enough for him. You know, there's actually in my business um, a it's a phrase, a term, if you will, that's known as good enough. And you have to be able to like know what good enough is, almost like instinctively. Because if you try to do whatever it is you're asked to do or commanded to do or assigned to do, too much perfection, money will be lost, deadlines will be missed, customers will be unhappy. So you have to instinctively understand, particularly when you're working on very large, very large projects over multiple months with highly complicated clients, you have to be able to instinctively know what good enough means. And you've also got to be able to defend good enough so that when you make that presentation, of course, you always keep the doors open with the client. And if they want more, then you work, you know, you work with them and, you, you know, and they give them more, you know, you, you come to a negotiation, but you should be able to stand before them guilt-free and believe in your heart that this is good enough. It meets the requirements. If they push back, then you make adjustments. Now, that's fascinating, I think, really, because it actually does apply to to some degree, to parts of our walk, and um, because we can't save the world. We, we want to sometimes. Our hearts are in the right place, and we desire to. We want to wake everybody up, but really, when you think about it, you can't. There comes a point where, at least for me, um, there was a point where I was so distraught that I, I just didn't feel that I was getting through to people good enough. I really didn't think I was doing good enough. And um, I, you know, when I get in that funk where I start to feel like I'm not doing good enough, it leads to, it opens doors for attack. Let's leave it that way. Because what happens is then I'm, I'm a target for depression. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not doing good enough. What's the point? Why do I bother showing up? Why, why do I lose all of this sleep? Why do I walk around in a constant state of fatigue? You know, all this other stuff. And when you get into that funk, one thing leads to another. It's almost like a domino effect. And you, you've got to shut it down. You've got to try to shut it down as proactively as you possibly can. In this particular instance, as I have testified before, Jesus told me, I came to save the world, not you. And I was having one, one of those like, you know, huh? Like, you know, yeah, kind of thing, because I wasn't expecting to hear that in my spirit, but I did. It was like a, it was a nice, kind way for the Lord to tell me, just keep on doing what you're doing. Stop worrying about whether or not it's good enough. 
I'll take care of that. I'll water. You plant the seeds. It's funny, too, because praise Jesus, I, I, years and years ago, and I can't believe that I feel awake right now, because literally before the show started, I was like, it was one of those things where I was like thinking to myself, how am I going to get through the show? Should I drink a cup of coffee? What, you know, what should I do? You know, am I going to be able to sleep if I do? And yada, 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 you know how it goes. And then the program starts and I have a, I don't know what, I don't know what to call it. I, I feel okay. Let's just say that. I feel good enough. How about that? Praise God. But anyway, um, yeah, I didn't expect that to enter into my heart, those words. You know, and um, and I'm not very good. I'm still working on it. I think I always will be working on it since the Lord told me I was impetuous, which, by the way, Peter was impetuous, too, (laughs) which is why he did so many of the goofy things that he did do. But Jesus loved him. So I got to keep on reminding myself that even though the Lord told me clear as a bell in the shower one day, when I knew what it was, I knew he wanted to tell me something about my behaviors, my behavioral patterns that weren't ideal. Okay, so it wasn't a compliment. It wasn't a big pat on the back. Way to go, Johnny. Pat him at me on the back. And, you know, no, it wasn't like that. But I could feel in my spirit that the Lord wanted to reveal something to me. And I couldn't, you know, I just, it was like, you ever have a word on the tip of your tongue, like you're trying to think of the name of somebody or the name of whatever, and it's like right on the tip of your tongue, and it's driving you nuts. And you know it's going to jump into your mind as soon as you stop thinking about it. As soon as you go, you know, have some scrambled eggs and Vienna sausages, and all of a sudden, bam, it's going to jump right back in your head long after the person you were having the conversation with has left. Well, that's kind of what happens to me a lot, you know, and uh, I think it happens to all of us, and when it, when... When the Lord told me, because I was this word, I knew he wanted to tell me, and it was, and it turned out, there I was, I was just, you know, you know, getting ready in the morning, and all of a sudden I hear, out of the clear blue sky, I wasn't even thinking about it at all, I was completely thinking about something totally different, the day, what I had on my agenda, you know, yada, yada, you know, uh, whatever, and I heard the word impetuous. And if you look up the definition of impetuous, it's really not a highly complimentary word. <laughs> okay. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, I knew it. I, and I was like, I, I was in full agreement with the Lord when he said that, you, John, you are impetuous. But I walk away from understanding that dynamic by, by the similarities of Peter's personality and how, for whatever reason, Jesus found that endearing. Not, I, I, you know, and I don't really, I can't expound more than that. I can say that we know what, you know, that that Jesus said special things to Peter that he didn't say to anybody else. Um, we know that there were all kinds of dynamics that occur, you know, on account of that. But I don't think any of us entirely understand the depth of that relationship and the value of Peter's impetuousness to Jesus. What was it about that, what had to have been to God made manifest in the flesh on this earth, what was it about Peter's impetuousness that Jesus adored so much? Or was it adoration? Was it a combination of, I mean, what was it? Why, you know, did Jesus say so many special things to Peter that he didn't say to the others? I don't know. But there was something about that emotional impetuousness of Peter that sort of in the heart of Jesus 
separated him a little bit from the others to the point where he would say special things to him and, and, and drive certain points. You know, Peter, do you love me? It was almost like when Jesus had that dialogue, Peter, do you love me? He already knew that Peter's emotional impetuousness was going to cause him to have, I don't know, like a special endowed response. It was almost like he was chosen by Jesus for that moment, and probably many others, to respond so that that event could be captured with some accuracy in the scripture so that we were able to understand that Peter's emotional response was exactly what Jesus needed to drive the point home. That if you would have asked the same question to possibly one of the other apostles, the response dynamics and the emotions and impetuousness behind the response, the power of the emotions behind Peter's response might not have been adequate to make the point that Jesus was trying to make. I don't know. But it seems like there's, I don't understand why, but for those of you who are out there, and there's all sorts of different personalities in the body of Jesus Christ. We all know that. Praise God. And, um, uh, you know, we don't know. You know, we don't. But I can say this to you. I, I, I hope this is encouraging to any of you out there that can join me in identifying with being impetuous, emotional in your response to the things that are associated with the kingdom, emotional in your response to the rapture hypercycle stuff that we have to endure, um, because understand it. But I see it made manifest in the scripture. I see it made manifest in the relationship between Peter and Jesus. I see it, and there's something there. I mean, I you know, when I say that I've dorked up more than the Apostle Paul, minus a, you know, a handful of murders probably, you know, I mean, I, I never hurt anybody. But I'm just saying, you know, when I say that, it's not all that far from being pretty true. You know, I mean, I've had a long life as once saved, always saved, and I've had plenty, oh my goodness, the mistakes and the, oh boy. And so some of my favorite words in the entire Holy Bible is in Isaiah forty three twenty five. I will not remember your sins. And that's exactly what I hope for. I'm okay with Jesus telling me that, you know, whatever he says that could be potentially taken as a bit of a disappointment. I'm okay with that. I certainly deserve it. Many of us probably feel that way as well, which is good because it's a contrite spirit, and that's exactly how we ought to feel as the tax collector with our robes rent, knowing we're unworthy. But that puts us in a good place, potentially, but doesn't offer us any guarantees. There are no guarantees. And it's good that there aren't. There is, There are some guarantees in the sense that Jesus did die on the cross for, for the whole world. And he does say, I would rather for you to be either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. 
So at least we know what target to shoot at, and certainly where we are in our walks mandates us to become hot or as hot as we possibly can be, absolutely in love with our Father, absolutely in love with Jesus, singing songs to him. You know, every single morning, I, you know, I lament when I wake up so unbelievably tired. I lament when I am so, I, I, I'm going to just say it again, unbelievably tired that I can barely I mean, I will literally sometimes wake – I always seem to wake up right around 4 o'clock. Sometimes I wake up at around 3.30, and it's like I then I'm pitching back and forth in, the, in my bed, you know, taking a peek at the clock every once in a while, which is kind of like weird. Why don't I just get up? I don't know. I, cause you know what? Deep down inside, I'm afraid that if I get up at 3.30, that the pattern will continue, and I'll end up operating on two hours of sleep every day, which will – Probably, I don't know what the results would be, but I can assume that the results might be that it destroys my ability to work. If that occurs, then the radio show goes away, everything else goes away, and at that point, I might as well just go ahead and sell my house and move to Panama. <laughs> you know what I mean? Praise God. And I'm not even sure we're able to do that at this point. We may already be trapped here because of all the vaccination weirdness and the things that are coming, and they're supposedly telling everybody that there's another variant of whatever out there, and, you know, and uh, whatever. I'm so sick of it. I don't even want to hear it anymore. Aren't we all? And don't we have every reason to be? I just praise God that we know the things that we do know right now and why. You know, all the all the stuff that, that is establishing the global, um, for lack of a better term, the foundational attribute, oh God, is that the right word? The, I will just say the foundations of all the things that need to occur before people are rounded up by force to take the mark of the beast. Now, I will say this. I believe that Ken Peters, by the way, this is available. He's passed on and gone to be with the Lord. God bless him. I believe that Ken Peters' vision of the tribulation, which you can, if you type that into YouTube, highly recommended, highly, highly, highly recommended. Ken Peters' tribulation. Three words. Ken Peters' tribulation. Type it in. I believe with all of my heart, if you're on YouTube.com, it will pop up. I believe his vision of the tribulation is very accurate. Very, 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 very accurate. Now, understand this, please. He wasn't, when, when Pastor Ken Peters, which he later became, and may ha- already have been at the time that he gave his testimony about this vision, I don't know. I just don't know. And I don't know that it's even relevant, really. Whether a person, when God gives a person a dream or a vision, I don't think God really cares whether or not they're, they went to Bible college or anything like that, because it's Jesus who ordains. It's not Bible colleges that ordains. Never has been. John fifteen sixteen is very clear. It is Jesus Christ that's the head of the church, and he ordains us. So when it says to study to show yourself approved, it is man's creation 
of Bible colleges and man's interpretation of what those words mean. No one can tell me I didn't study. <laughs> Let me tell you what. So anyway, um, all that being said, please do hunt down Ken Peters' tribulation dream or vision, probably a combination of whatever, but listen to it. Because, uh, you know, I, I could go into the whole thing about, well, he sees Humvees and he sees United Nations vehicles on United States soil and all that. That's a couple of highlights from, you know, but I think arguably the most important part is, and I hope I remember this well enough to speak to it. I don't know if his wife was in line with him or not. Let's put it that way. But I feel in my heart, it's been years since I listened to it, but I feel in my heart that he, he and his wife were standing in line. Now, remember, remember, of course, that just because God takes you to a place and you experience it in a dream, in a dream from heaven doesn't mean you're actually going to be there. That's really important. A lot of Christians think that when they're listening to somebody tell you what, you know, about a dream that they were given by God, they think that that person is, you know, is going to be there. And that's not how it works at all. God will take that individual into the future and let them experience it so they can feel it. They can feel the horror on the people's in the people's hearts. They can sense it. They can smell it. They can they they're literally there. It's very, very real. So I do recommend that you listen to that Ken Peters tribulation. Now, when he says the word tribulation, what he's he's not talking about the great tribulation. He's talking about the period that we're in right now. I think that's why I called the website Tribulation Now. Now there, I know there are are bean counters out there that think they have the whole Daniel 70th week, 70 weeks dynamic down. Like you know, they got it all figured out. And I have, over the last 12 years, heard an unbelievable uh, a number of accounts by people who love the Lord with all of their heart, and I'll leave it at that, of what they believed was the, um, you know, the signing of a covenant with many, you know, which is supposed to kick off the um, seven-year period, you know, that final seven years. Um, and I've heard it expounded upon by many very anointed people who love the Lord very, very much. And they would explain what they believed it was. And they were all wrong. I'm not picking on them, but they were wrong. So what happened to me over the last 12 years is that I stopped caring. I don't want to count that. I don't think it's necessary. I, I know that a lot of people, that's, it's a really big deal because especially if you're raised pre-trib, as a pre-trib rapture person, you're looking at that covenant with many as being that landmark event that indicates you are going to leave the earth any second now. Okay, and that's why I know for, because for, wow, like uh, 10 years, I studied, uh, I was a firm, firm believer in um, 
pre-trib rapture. Firm. I read so many books. I took so many documentaries. I had collections of DVDs. Verse by verse repository, you know, um, expository, the whole deal. The, and the Lord revealed to me it wasn't accurate. The understanding was inaccurate. It was a, an epiphany, an amazing revelation. It was eye-opening. It was dumbfounding and mind-blowing. And, um, but it was really, really, it just set me free. And it also convicted me because then that, that was the point in time in my testimony where God started to, little by little, once he took away this concept of, hey, you're not once saved, always saved. You can dork up really bad and not make it. And um, the other concept, which is, you know, everybody's going to believe in a rapture. Everybody. See, that is, it, that is not true. I've, I've said time and time again, and I've given testimony to this, that there are a number, including Dr. David O'Rourke. I can drop a whole bunch of names. Uh, Dr. David O'Rourke is unabashed about it. He has a, a YouTube video that is still out there uh, that, uh, you know, from, from his uh, uh, ministry. And um, he, he talks about how he was at a, an event. There for a while, we, you know, he had had some visions where he had seen Jesus essentially I don't know, putting on some sort of a garment and leaving heaven. And he came out and told everybody that he had that vision, and he was telling everybody that the rapture is imminent. We are leaving any moment now. The rapture is imminent. The rapture is imminent. I, I just about lost it because I was following the, you know, what Dr. Orwell was seeing in his visions very closely. And so when he said that, I, I just about lost it. I mean, I was so excited. I, I mean, literally, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. I, I, it was like I would wake up the next day and like touch my chest and go, oh my gosh, I'm still here. What's, you know, um, it was unbelievable. And, um, you know, and you might say, well, that makes him a false prophet. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. What it means is the individual, there is a time-space continuum gap. There is a time-space continuum gap that exists between heavenly events that God shows us and our human perception of what that translates into. The, uh, and, and I'm not going to get into all that, but it is, I'm just not going to get into it. But what I will share is that the, we are having another um, major rapture um, hypercycle right now. Now, I will share this with you because I believe it, but only because I believe it. And I am also, ad, what is the right word? I want to say admonish because it almost has a negative connotation, although the, biblically speaking, it doesn't. But I definitely want to give you a heads up. How about that? That I, I'm just a schmo, you know. I I don't even know what that term means, but I'm just some guy living in Tampa, Florida, in a house. You know, I work, you know, for whatever 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 it is that you believe that you know about me. Praise the Lord. Hopefully, it was you know helped you along in your walk, because that's why I do this. I that's why I did the you know wrote 420 articles on before I even started the show on the website. Um, it's because I, I love you and I want to help you in any way that I can. And if I feel that the Lord has imparted upon me information that may 
be material, may be relevant, may actually be true. When, when bits and pieces of things that the Lord has shown me are adding up to a hot, in my opinion, and again, I am using this word, my opinion, the way it was handed over to me and the way that it was, I don't know, it's, it's called, what's known as, iterate, I would give it the term iterative revelation. And what that means is revelation or information that is critical for us to know, but it's not given to you all at one time. Okay? So you get one piece, and then I would go and write an article about it. And then you'd get another piece five years later, and you'd go, oh, no way. Oh, this is just not possible. And that type of iterative revelation, that type of iterative confirmation is extremely possible. I mean, uh, powerful. Very, very powerful. I'll give you another example of an iterative revelation in my life. There's been many. The one about 11-11. Back in September 11th, uh, I'm sorry, my bad. It it was um, it was uh, November 11th of 2011, and that would have been 11 11 11. Well, at the time, everybody was milking it. All the marketing agencies, there were Android phone advertisements, there were Time Warner advertisements. Did you know that the Bank of America logo is 11 11 11? Did you know that? Have you looked at it? It is. Then I did some homework and I realized because I used to follow closely back then because we did we saved a lot of uh, we saved a lot of souls uh, that were part of the New Age movement. It was a, it was a, a big big part of what we did back in 2011, 2012, 2013, etc. Um, and uh, New Agers would come and listen to the program an awful lot. Sometimes they just wanted to hear the um, it, we would have a portion of the program that was dedicated to um, earth anomalies, you know, catastrophic climate change, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they would come to listen to the, to the, all the earth changes that were taking place. And then they would hear so much about Jesus. And I've gotten email. I mean, oh my goodness gracious! Just on the testimonies page of tribulation-now.org, it, it, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I don't even know how many hundreds there are. I have no idea. And you know what? Eventually, I got to the point. I mean, call me bad, call me naughty, but I got to the point where I was so busy with the radio show, so overwhelmed with the end time stuff that was increasing, so overwhelmed with my work and everything else, and my age. And the pain that comes along with getting old and all the stuff that goes, you know, along with every little thing, you know, when, when that gets, when that over, when that, when your cup overflows with all of that, you have to let things go. You have to pick and choose what you're going to do. You have to say, this is important. This is important. This is important. This isn't as important. You got to prioritize and you got to figure it out. And that's me. Uh, and maybe that's you. But anyway, um, uh, we, there were a lot of people that were New Agers that wrote me and said, I 
am now a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I wasn't before I started listening to your program. Praise God for that. That's awesome. Um, because what's fascinating is New Agers are, if they're really into it, they um, they are better Christians than Christians are, by far, by far. They are more loving, accepting. They are more huggy-wuggy. Uh, now, granted, their acceptingness, I'm going to make that word up on purpose, Acceptingness, their accepting nature, is all-encompassing. In other words, they accept everybody. And in, in their world, there is nothing that's not allowed. And unfortunately, that is not Jesus. Because he came to bring a sword. And indeed, that sword that Jesus came to br- bring, which was a sword of conviction for those who can receive it, when they read the scripture and who are not made blind by their churchianity teachings, they a revelation comes upon their hearts and they realize that the what they've been taught was inaccurate. And that that sword that Jesus came to bring was meant for everyone, including the body of Christ. And unfortunately, when when that occurs, there's a separation, which, by the way, is referred to metaphorically as the wise and foolish virgin. It's also referred to metaphorically as this, the first group of servants that the king sent out in Matthew 22 at, versus the other servants that were sent out in the second verse of Matthew 22. It's a different group. Two different groups. Wise, foolish. Wise, But it gets a little bit more complicated when you weave in the first watch, the second watch, and the third watch. The third watch, the grape harvest, is definitely tribulation saints. And they are not, I'm sorry, but I guess if there's something I'm good at, it's disagreeing with lots and lots of people out on the Internet that think they know things. And that's fine. They can believe whatever they want to believe. This is, I'm the one, you know, I, anyway, it's not 144,000. It's not. Now, that very well is likely part of it as a subset, but um, it's gazillions more. Gazillions. I don't even, well, I can't say gazillions because there's only a billion on the earth, but it's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. The vast majority of people who profess Jesus as Lord will be cast into great tribulation, Revelation 2.22, and they will not be taken away from a place or taken away to a place of safety where they are nourished or fed for the period of the great tribulation. Times, times, half a time, 1260 days, three and a half years, even one hour is used as a metaphor to describe the great tribulation. And I personally strongly believe that without understanding the alien dynamic, you cannot interpret the book of Revelation at all. And I believe with all of my heart that there are going to be a lot of Christians that are just absolutely blown away, literally blown off their chairs, because there's so much chatter out there, and there has been for years. First, the first chatter, it, the first... Um, 
collection of chatter is aliens or demons. I used to believe that. They're not. They're strange flesh. They're twice dead. They are essentially... Um, now, don't, re- don't forget the Odin Hedrick testimony and how he said they were small angelic beings playing the music. When he said that, I was like so moved because you know what? What an anointed reference that was. That had to come from the Holy Spirit because it makes it abundantly and anointedly clear that there are species of beings all over the universes that are angelics. They are part of a class of beings that are used by God, maybe not all of them, maybe not the whole civilization on a particular, you know, whatever. Uh, The Book of Job refers to the sun. Can you guide the sons of Arcturus? Maybe not all the sons of Arcturus are angelics. I don't know. But I do know that the term angel angelic is a class. It's like saying you're part of the Marine Corps, which was made manifest in Odin Hedrick's testimony, which is awesome. Praise Jesus. So, and there are good beings out there. There, there are, you know, there are holy watchers. The, the, I could get into this. I could just, you know, go ahead and talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stop myself right now. But there is a rapture. There is a rapture hypercycle that is occurring right now. Now, I and I've already made. I've already made up my heart that I will not participate in those at all. I think they're destructive. Now, some, like I said, some people love the roller coaster. I can name names. I know some of them. Some of them are my friends, you know, people that I chat with, you know, in other countries in Europe and such like that. They adore the roller coaster. That rapture hypercycle roller coaster is what gets them up in the morning. And I'm like, all the power to you. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. I actually had one of them tell me, it excites me. I love it. And I'm like, okay, man, <laughs> good for you. But it doesn't excite me. It frustrates me big time, maybe because I'm impetuous like Peter. But anyway, for those of us who went through the 2016 dynamic with thousands of prophecies about Obama not leaving the office of the presidency, Obama being the last president, oh, my gosh, the collection. If I went back and found that that collection, I had like, 30 of them that I used to read on the program, almost every single program. Definitely 20, maybe 25. And I would just go down the list. I had them all written, you know, with numbering on my whiteboard that's here to my right on the wall. And I just read through them. So there were those of us who were so positive that Obama was never going to lead the presidency, that, it, that martial law would be instituted, by the way, which was prophesied by so many. And so the idea that Trump appeared on the scenes was, was entirely unacceptable. It was impossible. Because our... You know, Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it through his servants, the prophets. But what the Bible doesn't tell you, and I wish it put it in the same scripture, that would be awesome, but it doesn't. 
because it's the it's the uh, it's the glory of God to concealeth the matter. Proverbs twenty five two is the glory of God to concealeth the matter and a glory of kings to search out a matter. That's God's way of saying there's lots of mysteries out there that you can go find, but you know what it says in Jeremiah what is it twenty nine eleven I don't know maybe that's the right verse where it says. If you if you if you seek me you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart which is exactly what David Doetry did who lives an hour south of me in Sun City Center for 10 years if my recollection is right he cried out to God on his knees and all he begged God for was to please show him the rapture I believe it was like 10 years, maybe longer. And he had the vision of all visions eventually in the 90s, the late 90s. And it had a big alien spaceship in it, which I've done special, you know, radio shows. I talked about that whole thing, just focused 100% on the big copper spherical mothership showing up in the sky and being associated with potentially three um, weeks prior. Now, watch out for time. Put that on the shelf. But David thought David thought that it was three weeks after that alien ship showed up in the sky, three weeks later, that we would be raptured. But watch out for any time references, even if they're just things like this fall or several months. Whatever reference to time... A person who's been given a dream or vision from God uses, put it on a shelf. Please do not embrace it as the gospel truth. Because you're going to be setting your watch to it, and it could end up devastating you. Do not let that happen, please. Now, if you're one of those people out there that love the ride, go for it. I'm not. Now, um, so when I look at, praise Jesus, when I look at the third seal and I see the words, do not harm the oil or the wine. And I know about Jesus saying, can't put new wine into old wineskins. I know he's talking about the bride. When Jesus, you know, when, when you talk about the oil, I mean, my goodness, what's the, what's the underlying predominant theme of the wise virgins. The fact that they had so much oil that it was in vessels. In other words, they had extra oil that they were carrying with them so that their lamps could not possibly flicker out. And the foolish virgins were like, sell us some of your oil, please. And the wise said, you know, you could look at this and say, boy, that was kind of mean of those wise virgins. Why wouldn't they love their brothers and sisters enough to sell them some of that oil they had in their vessels? The takeaway of that story is to understand that when you are walking in the presence of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, Galatians 5.22, the gifts of the Spirit, when you are walking in that, and that is a part of your life and who you are, which is where we all want to be, 
It requires us to trust God. It requires us to take really stressful days and let it roll off our shoulders, put it at the foot of the cross, and not be negatively and emotionally negative. We don't want to get sucked into the pit over it. Let it go. And I'm still working on that part. I still have days that are just so dagnabbit bad, I can just, I can't stand it. And um, I need to get better at that. I know that. Thank God I know that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, And maybe you do too. Um, Some people are better at than others, but some people maybe haven't had a bad enough experience to know. Because my suspicion is that there are a lot of people, my dad used to refer to them, and I'm not trying to be a cut up or mean or anything, and I am certainly don't agree with my father's characterization and the reasoning behind it, but he used to go to church because my mom would grab him by the short hairs and make him come. And... Um, and he would he would use the term holier than thou. And I look back on churchianity and my years in churchianity, and I can actually relate to what my father was seeing. And I can I can I feel it. I empathize with it. Because I believe that many of those who come across as holier than thou in the church right now, who truly believe that they are hearing without error the voice of the Lord, that they that the Holy Spirit has revealed all things to them because they just hold, they just read the scripture and they just assume, well, hey, I'm flawless, my hearing is uh, you know perfect, and uh, you know I hear from the Holy Spirit, therefore what I believe is right. That is the definition of holier than thou. They do not understand that they, too, are human. They simply look at the scripture. These are the same types of people that will say that the earth is only 6,000 years old. And they'll look you straight in the face and say, well, my Bible says it, and that's what I believe, and that's, you know, tough bananas go away. You know, bark up a tree, this is what my Bible says, and 6,000 years old. No, it's not what your Bible says. That's what you understand when you read it. And these are the same people that will, you, you know, if you share with them some things or whatever that, you know, many of us have been chased out of churches, extricated, asked to leave. I can drop names, lots. Okay. Now, I have fortunately never been in that place where I was asked to leave, although I probably came pretty close a couple of times. Um, uh, be, but it wasn't because I was rebuking anybody or anything like that. It was because um, I was excited about information that I had found, and I thought it was very relevant, and it would make other people excited. But the problem is churchianity is so utterly lost. Now, not all of them, not all of them. There are some that are very awake, and there's more and more awakening now than ever before. I praise Jesus for that. Thank you, Father. Okay, I'm, it, this, I don't want this to be all negative because that would be incorrect. It would not be how I feel. However, I'm just sharing that when we do wake up to our faults, to our lack of perfection, to our woeful, um, you know, we're just not, without Jesus and his blood, there's no, we don't even have a shot. But we are expected to toe the line. We are expected to be obedient 
We are expected to surpass, I believe, with all of my heart, we are expected to surpass that which is asked of us in the Bible. Surpass it. Which means we, for me, for example, when I look, look at Galatians 5.22, you know, the, the fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, are love, joy, um, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, against which there is no law. Well, I know i got to work on self-control. I know that I'm robbing myself of peace. I'm robbing myself of walking under open heavens. If you remember the teaching uh, associated with um, combat in the spiritual realm, how Satan stops our prayers. Some, some titles say combat in the heavenly realm. It's a misnomer doesn't matter. But the teaching in there is one of those that you, I personally feel passionate that every single believer on the face of the earth ought to read that at least four times, maybe six. And oh, by the way, space like weeks apart so that, so that your spirit can digest what you read. And then when you come back again, it, it iteratively builds upon what you understood the first time you read it. And then you have another epiphany and go, wow. And then you're like, oh, my goodness. And then you wait a couple of more weeks and let, let your spirit absorb it. And then go back a couple of weeks later and read it again. And you'll get something new every time. It's really amazing. And... What's really, really amazing on that white paper, Combat in the Heavenly Realm, How Satan Stops Our Prayers, is the part at the very end where you discover that the Christians, which are the vast majority of them, I would say 99%, that do not understand those things that are in that white paper, that think that they can just have a, you know, three-minute quickie prayer before they start their work day, or no prayer at all, or whatever, and that they're just going to be fine and dandy. And they're asking for things from God. Well, when they ask for something from God, and the angel is sent down with the answer to their prayer, and they haven't prayed through, and their prayers did not turn into fire, first off, if, as we know from that white paper, that if their prayers are that weak... They're highly stoppable by the demons, and they will never make it to the to the to, they won't the petitions will not make it to heaven, so they're not even going to get answered. Now, if their prayers are a little bit stronger and they do to some degree break through, then um, you know the angel will an, an angel will be dispatched, but the angel that is dispatched with the answer to the prayer has to go through the spiritual realm where the demons are and where the workers of Satan are residing, okay, where they astral project and stuff. And they're going to hold they're going to hold your your angel with your answer to your prayer captive. And they're going to rip the answer to the prayer out of the hands of the angel, your angel, or the other believers' angels. There could be millions of these angels going through with answers to prayers at any given moment. And when that angel can be detained by the demons and the principalities and the powers and the spiritual hosts, and of course, an example of that would be in Daniel, you know, the Prince of Persia, 
When those angels are able to be detained and the angels are able to rip out of the hands of the praying saints on earth that don't know any better, when those angels can be detained and that prayer, the answer to that prayer, which I guess is like a glowing light or something in their hands, when they're able to rip that out of the hands of the angels, they can take it down and give it to other demonic forces on the earth. And it becomes legitimate, leverageable power from on high. It's kind of like when the forces of darkness go after adrenal chrome, and it gives them power to be able to shapeshift and all that kind of stuff. I don't even like to talk about that subject most of the time. I mean, I just, I just I hate this place. I just so disclined. Well, I cannot possibly capture in words how disgusting and awful this filthy, filthy earth is. But, you know, we still have a job to do. Praise God, and thank you, Jesus, for our blessings. Amen. We'll leave it at that. But they rip can grab the answers to prayers of saints who didn't do a very good job in their prayer methodologies, how they prayed, or or there were other things in their lives, like sin in their lives that they didn't want to let go of or they didn't even know was a sin. That qualifies. When those angels grab that answer to the prayer out of the hands of your all these millions of Christians as angels, they can take that answer to the prayer, which is power from the throne room of God, and they can convert that power for demonic and evil purposes, because that answer to the prayer is power. It doesn't lose its power of God just because it was stolen from the angel. It keeps the power of God in it. And the demons of darkness and the astral projecting entities of the bowels of Sheol will rip it away, and they will take that power from God in the form of the answer to millions of Christians' prayers that don't know any better, and they will convert it into false prophecies, uh, you know, all kinds of things that we're experiencing today on the earth, and have been for quite some time. So, so then you have this bonanza of, of people who believe they're being taken to heaven, but they're being taken to the false heaven that Satan set up, it's very similar. There's a lot of things about it that are very, very, very much the same, identical indeed, to the real heaven. And they believe with all of their heart that they are going to the real heaven. And then they come back to earth and then they tell everybody that the rapture is going to happen next week, or they tell everybody that um, they taught, they had a cup of tea with Jesus in the garden, uh, and uh, Jesus told them that uh, Donald Trump is going to be beamed by the Starship Enterprise right into the Oval Office, and Biden is going to be taken away in chains. I just saw, I'm not going to mention the name of the individual, but on my Twitter feed, I just saw this, this lady. I'm not, like I said, I will not say her name. She means well. But she actually believes from the bottom of her heart that Fauci, Gates, uh, Soros, you know, the whole Klaus Schwab, the whole group. She said, I am really, really, really excited, everybody, and I want to let you know why. She said, I'm excited because God has revealed to me that all of these are going to be put in prison and they are going to get theirs. And I can't wait. And I thought to myself, 
Uh-oh. It's another great, good, kind, good-meaning Christian who's been deceived by the devil. Because it's not going to happen. There isn't going to be some supernatural transfer of wealth where the saints are all magically given gazillions of money because of Bitcoin or whatever. It's not going to happen. There, you know, but there are so many untold numbers of good-meaning Christians out there that so desperately want to believe these things that and for and for all the good right reasons who wouldn't want those things to happen i can't even imagine not wanting those things to happen i can't imagine a a proper christian that truly loves their neighbors that that has gone through anything like i've gone through i've lost family members over the cold you know bioweapon attack against mankind i've lost i lost my niece mary lynn but I don't hold any grudges. God's will be done. Praise his holy name. A thousand will die to your left hand, 10,000 to your right, but it will not come near you, Psalm 91. And, and, and it's, you know, we, we got to learn to live with loss and be okay with it. Well, you know what I mean? And that's not easy because it falls into the category of self-control. And it's also, that category of self-control also is inclusive of frustrations associated with work. So you've got this mass deception that's going on because so, so many millions of Christians do not understand how they need to pray to, to break through the firmament and to ensure that their angels come empowered to be able to bring the answer to their prayer all the way to them having no idea that the answer to their prayer can be stolen by demonic entities and used against them and other Christians too. So they listen to this group of prophets that they think are wonderful because they're telling, it's what David Wilkerson taught in his teachings, he called them pillow prophets. You can search on that teaching of David Wilkerson's by simply typing into, I would recommend DuckDuckGo. Um, DuckDuckGo.com, type David Wilkerson Pillow Prophets, and read it. It's, it's a fabulous teaching, and he does a wonderful job of not mentioning any names, because David Wilkerson always did the right thing in that regard. He would admonish the behavior. He would call out the behavior. Do not do this. Do not do that. Do not get sucker punched by pillow prophets. He wouldn't give you names. So these Christians out there are people that believe there are Christians out there that are like, I got to call out this person. I got to call out that person. I got to call. Judge not that ye be judged. I am so thank you, Jesus, the Father revealed to me. Don't you dare do that, John. That was one of the times in my walk very early on, back in probably about 2011, almost positive it was, might have been 2010, but probably early 2011, where, let me think, no, it was definitely before July of 2011, so it would have had to have been the first part of 2011 or 2010. And I was waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go write an article about a particular well-known preacher that I thought I, thought I had busted, I got the goods on. 
and I was walking over to the sink to, you know, get ready for work and wash up and do all the things that you got to do and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, and that was my intent. My intent was to go in, at, you know, early in the morning and just write this article and rat out, rat out that particular pastor because I thought I had the goods. And I barely made it over to the sink before I heard the Lord say to me, don't you dare speak ill of my people. I froze. Now, it wasn't like, you know, you hear some people's testimonies like rushing water, the sound of, a you know, God's voice and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like that. Boy, it was clear. Real clear. Enough to make me stop in my tracks and go, you know, I was freaked out. And then the Lord confirmed it. A couple of days later, I put a meme on Facebook uh, under another pastor or whatever, Christian person on TV, we'll put it that way. And the person said this, that, and the other thing, this, that, and the other thing. And I made a meme with, um, you know, what I don't remember what the name of the show was. Um, but you know, the little, the little, um, the little boy that would go, what you talking about, Willis? Okay. I, I put that like, like a meme and I, and I put, I put it on there, you know, what you talking about, Willis? And I, you know, cause I knew that the person that was expounding on their pearls of wisdom was completely wrong. They were so wrong that were the wrong, 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 wrong. It was irrelevant. The God, our heavenly father immediately let me know that down. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, um, there is another rapture cycle, a hyper cycle that is taking place right now. We should expect many, many more of them. Many, many more of them. You can believe from the very depths of your heart that they will be coming from some of the most sincere, loving, precious saints that exist probably anywhere on earth. And your proclivity to believe them will be through the roof. Tears will be gushing out their eyes. And you will feel their feelings. And you, you, every, every uh, emotion in your entire makeup, body, soul, spirit, flesh, and heart, will literally vibrate with empathy for that individual's testimony. And it will draw you in powerfully. Been there, done that lots of times. So just, we all need to know as part of the body of Christ, all of us, I would submit, probably would like, love to go home right now. I can't imagine any one of us not wanting to go home right now particularly as we see the things that are happening across the world, especially outside of the United States of Babylon the Great. It's not that they're not happening inside of Babylon the Great. They are. They're just more clandestine. They're kept more on the down low. But in places like the United Kingdom, the 15-minute city stuff, the CBDC stuff, all that kind of stuff, it's out of control. 
They're rioting over there over it. I don't know if you want to call it rioting. Darn close to it. And don't even get me going on France. And I think it's reasonable to expect that other countries will also, including especially Germany, I would say. Um, but there's going to be, when you look at, there's a couple of countries that are pushing back. Um, I tip my hat to, now, now are they going to be broken into? Are they going to be compromised fully? Yeah, I think so. Is there, are their parliaments compromised? Yes, I do. I believe with all of my heart they are. Um, have they made proclamations against the World Economic Forum publicly? Yes, they have. I believe Spain is one of the parliaments that has outspoken in a public manner uh, saying that we're not going to do any of that weird Klaus Schwab stuff kind of thing. But, you know, again, that's when when their parliaments are fully compromised, like our Congress is fully compromised here in the United States of Babylon the Great, It's just a matter of time. So I hold dear, right or wrong, right or wrong, I hold dear to the iterative information that was given to me. And I remember I told you that I was going to tell you and give you another example of iterative revelations that God has given me. Well, the 1111 the thing. I discovered that the New Agers had a magazine, and the title of the magazine was 1111 Magazine, believe it or not. Search it on the internet. See if you don't find stuff. The reason is because the New Agers believe in a concept known as ascension, which, by the way, is essentially a Far Eastern Buddhism type thing, you know, reincarnation kind of deal. They believe that they're going to they're going to hit a point where they ascend into their friends and family plan with all the otherworldly beings that exist out there and those uh, alien civilizations that they're all part of it. And when their vibration rises up high enough, they're going to be um, uh, they're going to ascend into that dimension and become part of their friends and family plans, which is basically hang out with all the fallen angels and end up straight in, you know, inside, you know, unfortunately in the pit. So it's, so 1111 to the new agers means ascension. Now, isn't that fascinating? Because the only ones who are ascending are the wise virgins. None of the new agers are ascending to diddly squat. But they believe in it so much that they actually have their own magazine, they have clubs, they they can't wait to ascend. So for years, from 2011 to 2012, whatever, you know, I remember November 11th of 2011, 11, 11, 11, I mean, my goodness gracious, I was getting emails from people all over the world. It was incessant. I see 1111 everywhere. I see it on the clock. I see it on the news. I see it over here. I see it over there. Uh, You know, green eggs and spam, Sam I am. You know, and and just people just writing me from 
it, it was endless streams of acknowledgement. I 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, then I accept it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I will. I personally accept that obviously 11, 11 must mean something for our Heavenly Father God. Even though I knew that the New Agers looked at it as the, you know, it was the symbolism of ascension. But I also knew that the devil has no original ideas, and he steals everything from our Heavenly Father, and then he makes it a twist. He twists it. So to me, it fit perfectly. So for years, I was like, oh, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, cool. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And then like five years later, I'm literally sitting on my couch, the very same couch that I was sitting on when I was told to go to the mailbox to get my welcome to this Sukkot wedding. I was sitting in exactly the same spot. And I was reading a book called How to Operate in the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, we were blessed to have this author join us on the show. And it was awesome. It was very, very cool to have him join us on the show. I forget his name at the moment. I'm not going to take the mo- I'm not going to take the time to I can I can do this though. What I can do is I can open up a web and let me see how to no, I'm going to shorten it down and make it, make it simpler. Gifts of the Holy Spirit site colon tribulation dash now dot org. Hmm. Oh no, please tell me it wasn't part of the ones that I had to take down. Oh, man. Uh, okay, was it? Well, whatever. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to, I don't think it's a waste of time, but I, I don't, I, I could, uh, you know, open up my um, Kindle app and figure it out. Matter of fact, maybe I will since I came down this road so far, because I'll read it to you. It's just too cool. It's just too cool. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. There it is. Right there in front of me. Oh, daggone it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Let's praise your holy name. All right. So if I go to the cover of the book, it's entitled How to Operate in the Gifts in the Gifts of the Spirit. How to Operate in the Gifts of the Spirit by Stephen Brooks. So now what I can do is I can type Brooks. I'd be careful that I do that. I gotta type it right exactly right, or it will fail. Nope. Had to be part of the ones that I had to take down. That's a bummer. Oh well. Um, praise God. But anyway, so I'll read this to you since I happen to have the book queued up. Um, I have to go to the notes section of the book. Uh, cover title page. Hold on, that's no, that's the uh, it's not the um, notes. Hold on, here we go. There we are. Ah, here it is. Hallelujah. All right, let me t- touch the page, magnify it out. 
And it, I don't know what page it is because I'm doing it on Kindle, and Kindle pages don't relate to book pages, so I can't help you out there in case you do buy the book. But in Kindle, uh, I'm just going to read what it says. It said, this is what Mr. You know, uh, Reverend Stephen Brooks said. He said, when we search out a matter that is a spiritual mystery to us, we must rely upon the Holy Spirit to unravel or untie the full message that has been sent. For years, I used to see the numbers 1111 uh, uh, on a continual basis to a point where it seemed like it was being supernaturally impressed before me. Whenever I randomly happened to look at the clock, it would say 1111. Over time, the Holy Spirit explained to me that he was using this particular set of numbers to confirm to me that I was walking in his plan for my life and all was well. Now, when I equate, now, now you have to understand how I must have felt five years after I had already accepted that 1111 had to be some sort of a touch by the Holy Spirit. I was, I mean, five years later, please, come on. I mean, what are the odds, right? And I'm sitting in the same exact place when the Lord told me to go to the mailbox and I get that, you know, welcome to the Shava Oat wedding. And, um, and, uh, and then I'm like reading this book and it's like this, this, this pair, you know, it's like, oh, and by the way, this is in its own chapter. So I'm just like reading through the chapter and all of a sudden I like read over that, what I just read to you. And I'm like, huh? I mean, I literally, if, thank goodness I was sitting on a, a nice big cushy love seat because if I was sitting on a basic chair, I probably would have fallen right off of it. That's how blown away I was. But I will take it to the next level because that's what I'm famous for. And, you know, right, wrong, and different eat crows, whatever. But here's what I feel. Based upon the assumption or the, or the fact that the New Agers, through a twist of Satan, embrace 1111 as ascension, even though they don't really understand what it means, they have their this idea of what it means, which is sadly incorrect, and it, the whole thing is sad. But just, let's just leave it at that. But think about it. Satan obviously intentionally took 1111, twisted it, and stuck it right in the face of all the New Agers. And... It's about them ascending into the heavens. Now, you know, vibrational, but I'm not going to go into all the details, but that's what it's about, ascension. And then I think to myself, wait a minute. While I love Brother Stephen Brooks with all, I mean, I, I love him as a brother in Christ, and I love what he wrote in that book. And it was a powerful, iterative confirmation for me many years after what I already knew is true. When I look at the entire body of information, all the data, to me, seeing 1111 doesn't just say what Brother Brooks said it says, which as I just mentioned to you, um, 
and I'll read it again just to make the, drive the point home. He said, for years, I used to see the numbers 1111 on a continual basis to a point where it seemed like it was being supernaturally impressed before me. Whenever I randomly happened to look at the clock, it would say 1111. Over, the t- over time, the Holy Spirit explained to me that he, he, the Holy Spirit, was using this particular set of numbers to confirm to me that I was walking in his plan for my life and all was well. Now, I'm going to expand upon that. I think that's wonderful, but I believe it's more than that. If Satan did what he did, which, is, which he did do it, he did it as a fact, and it was equated with ascension to those whom he has duped in millions, by the millions across the world, as New Agers. And it was about ascension. Then to me, what 1111 means is you are on course to make the rapture. So it goes beyond what Brother Brooks says in his book. I believe that it literally means that where you are in your walk you are on course to make the rapture, to ascend. Get it? So we rip it out of the hands of the devil. We whack him upside the head with the book. <laughs> okay. Actually, we're not allowed to do that. Wish we wish. I really wish we could. Now we can definitely make him mad um, by going after his principalities, powers, spiritual host of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places and saving people's souls by calling down angels to enter their dreams and visions. But we're not really supposed to duke it out with Satan directly. The example that we have for that is in the book of Jude, where Satan was trying to grab the body of Moses, and even Michael the archangel was, like, courteous to Satan. You know, if I was Michael the archangel, I would have wanted to take a big old Louisville slugger and whack him upside the head. But... You know, he basically just kind of said, the Lord rebuke you, and he grabbed the body of Moses and pulled it out of Satan's hands. The Lord rebuke you. So, and I guess that's about as far as we can go with Satan, but the rest of them, forget it. Full out, full all-out war as far as I'm concerned. Hallelujah. And if I'm still alive right now, <laughs> and I'm still having supernatural things happen to me right now, and miracles and confirmations, and the Lord is talking to me, and I'm not perfect, I haven't arrived, none of that kind of stuff. I never would claim that because it's absolutely as far from the truth as it could possibly be. But if I'm still alive and kicking and walking around after all of the beatings that I brought into Satan's, uh, you know, what would you call them? Board of directors? <laughs> Whatever. Um, you know what? That, that, that's, that there is a humongous testimony. I could even add a I could I could add a little Georgia twist to that. That that there is one humongous testimony. You know what I'm saying? And and you know what? It it, it kinda is. Because I you know, I can tell you that Satan tried to kill me more than once. So anyway, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. And I wanted to share that with you, but there's also one other thing about the rapture hypercycle that I wanted to share with you, and that it, oh 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 and there and so it's that and when I look at the last, the two, the phrase, you know, do not harm the oil or the wine at the end of the third seal, which is the, which is the collapse of the petrodollar and the financial collapse of the West, 
the euro, you know, the euro, all the, it's going to be Canada, the United States, New Zealand, Australia, it'll include Tasmania, um, which is really kind of connected to Australia, essentially. Um, They may look at themselves as a different country, but they're not. But anyway, um, uh, it'll include all of Europe. Okay, that's what you would come together as, quote, the West which interestingly makes up about 25% of the world, which, by the way, is what the behold a pale horse or the four seal says, death is going to happen to 25% of the world. The West. Should have moved to Russia when I had a chance. Just kidding. Um, Although sometimes I wonder. But anyway... Now, um, we did have Michael Mullen on the show, and he was uh, taken to the throne room at the time that Russia was launching the submarine-launched nuclear missiles against the United States. And he said that the United States nuclear submarines launched a counterstrike against Russia when that happened. And according to him... Russia lost 60% of their, so it is answered. It's not a one-way judgment. It goes both directions. That was a very powerful testimony, by the way. Um, Do not harm the oil or the wine. I really, really struggle I know it's referring to, and I told you why, and the reason why the wise virgins could not could not sell their extra oil in their vessels to the foolish virgins. Sounds awful mean to me. You know, when I look over everything that we're supposed to be as Christians, particularly, particularly to our other brothers and sisters, you, they, they will know you as my disciples because of how you love one another. I can't apply that principle to the parable of the wise and foolish virgins and not wonder to myself how mean it was for the wise virgins to tell the other ones to go bark up a tree. Why didn't they sell them some oil? They were obviously panicking. They knew they had run out of time. The answer is because you can't... So when you understand what the oil represents, it represents the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, against which there is no law. Until each one of us are walking in continuous love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which, by the way, long-suffering means patience that can't be shaken. So let me give you a real-world example of long-suffering. Long-suffering is when you have a member of your family who likes to gossip. And they say really bad, nasty things about you all the time. 
And then when you walk in the room, they go, oh, hi. But you already know they've been bad-mouthing you, humiliating you, and not only to just other members of the family, but to other people as well. And so you're thinking, because of course you're getting feedback, right? People are going, boy, did you know that so-and-so was saying all these bad things about you? So you're already in the loop, and you're already, already feeling pretty darn crummy because somebody who's supposed to be close to you is saying really awful bad things about you. And then playing it off like they're not, which, by the way, is admonished and forbidden as a sin to the Church of Corinth by the Apostle Paul. But we won't go into that. That's a whole other thing. My point is this. Long-suffering or unshakable patience is what I would translate the word long-suffering into. Unshakable patience. Long-suffering is when you walk into the family Christmas get-together and that person who you know is constantly bad-mouthing you is there overtly bad-mouthing you but doesn't see you walk into the room. Okay? You already know that's probably what they're doing anyhow. You walk in, and they're still bad-mouthing you, and then they turn and go, oh, hi. Insufferable patience, unstoppable patience, when it's bundled in the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, insufferable patience, you know, unshakable patience. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. You put that all into a big love bundle, a big bundle of love. What that means is that you won't let it bother you. Even though you really want to kind of go over and give, give them, you know, a, a backhand upside the head in front of the rest of the family, you, hopefully you can overcome that feeling. Hopefully, by virtue of walking in the fruits of the Spirit, you really don't feel that way anymore. You have true long-suffering. You go back to the scripture that I love so much. It's my new favorite one, and, you know, maybe I'll change tomorrow. Because I'm impetuous, and I'm allowed to change tomorrow if I want. Second uh, Corinthians 12.10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs. I take pleasure in distresses. Pleasure when my sister is bad-mouthing me for the umpteenth gazillion times in front of my family and then playing it off like she isn't. Now, it ain't my sister. It isn't. It, I'm not saying that. I'm just using that as an example. My sisters do not talk. It's not that they haven't in the past. I will say that. There was a period of time when they were you know, telling other members of the family that I, was, uh, I had lost my marbles because I believed in them their things called aliens. Heaven forbid. But anyway, when we get to a place, now you know what you're shooting for, right? Amen? Now I know what I'm shooting for, right? Amen? We're all shooting for that. 
That's our target. That's our goal. That's how we ought to be. Okay, it's not just being the Beatitudes. Yeah, that's that's included. Surely, sure, sure it is. But the fruits, the fruits of the the Holy Spirit making being made manifest through our behaviors include that we love, and that love is powerful love. That's the love of God overflowing, the love of Jesus overflowing in us. That's not human-based love. Love, joy. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, incredible patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. So you let it roll off your shoulders. It doesn't bother you. This is what I have to strive for. This is what we all have to strive for. And you know what I think? Now I'm I'm bringing this, I'm looping it back around to how my dad used to say, oh, I just don't like being around all those holier-than-thou Christians. And, you know, like I, like I said, you know, but think about it. Have we not all experienced that? How many of those who are in churchianity today that truly believe with all of their heart that they're walking in the fruits of the Spirit, that they're anointed, that they're hearing from the Holy Spirit, that their understanding of the Bible is unimpeachable and that they are totally rapture ready? Without any self-examination, they're in like Flynn because they are a believer in Jesus and they are once saved, always saved. And they're going up in the rapture any second now. How do you think they are going to respond when a gigantic planet-destroying copper, you know, spherical-shaped copper-colored mothership shows up in the sky? Particularly in light of the fact that we have had no less than a decade of people coming out and saying that the alien invasion is going to be fake because there isn't one person on this earth that's going to look in the sky and say, oh, that's fake, because it won't be fake. If I had a penny for every time some Christian came forward and say, fake alien invasion, fake alien invasion, fake, 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 fake. Now, let's see what look is on your face when you see what really happens, when you see what's in the Bible, and there's nothing fake about the alien invasions that are mentioned in the Bible. The one in Isaiah 13, during the day of the Lord, they ravage your wives and they chop your children into pieces. It isn't going to be a good day. So, when I read... So the reason why the the wise virgins could not, it wasn't an act of meanness. What it, what it, it was a message that was being sent in the parable. And that message is that walking in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Truly walking in it. When that person who's bad mathing you, you're not. You don't even feel bad. You don't. Even, you're like, hey, hey, how's it going? God bless you. God bless you. Because you don't let it eat at you. It doesn't bother you. You are truly. You truly have unshakable patience and love of Jesus. And if anything, you probably feel sorry for them because they don't understand. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we could all just become that. And self-control. Because if you go over and backhand that person, you don't have self-control. Just like when I have a really, really bad day at work and I get angry. I flip out. I'm, you know, sassin' frassin' dagnabbit. can't believe it. At that moment in time, I have just taken the Holy Spirit umbilical cord and went snip. I am no longer walking under an open heaven. I might have been walking under an open heaven the whole day. I'm not even sure when those kinds of days happened to me. Thank you, Jesus. Not didn't happen today, and didn't have you know some you know some good things happened today, which is good. But um, but the day before, I I dorked up. I did. And the Lord has been revealing these things to me, and that's why I'm sharing them with you. Because now, if God gave me a target to shoot for, how crummy of a fellow brother in Christ could I possibly be to not take the time to explain it to you? To... Play that game that some Christians play where they're like, this just annoys me to no end. When they say things like, well, I got to pray about it to see if God wants me to reveal it yet. He hasn't released it so I can reveal it. And I'm thinking, you, you don't understand the body of Christ at all. I can't help myself. Because I know exactly what the Bible says. I know what the body of Christ is. I know that it is for all of us. I know when I shared the Shavuot wedding testimony. I even had people email me, and they were in some, a, a number. I don't remember how many or whatever, but there were some that emailed me and said, "You know what, Johnny? God bless you. You know, praise Jesus when you do the the regular prayer vigil. Praise Jesus when, but also praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus, when you give a testimony. Because it blesses me powerfully. It helps me in my walk. Thank you, brother, for doing that. Please do more of it. I know that maybe not everybody feels that way, or at least I don't want to say I know, because how could I know? There's no way I could know. It's not like I have this, like, I don't know, uh, two-way communication gizmo or gadget in everybody's house that listens to the program. I, I probably only, the people that I communicate with via email or via messenger or whatever is probably less than, way less than 1% of the listening audience. The vast majority of the listening audience, I have no idea who you are. 
And whenever I tell people you can email me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com, you know, it's fascinating, but almost invariably, at least one new person will show up. At least one. Not always, but often. One new person will show up. I've been listening to you since all the way back to 2011 or all the way back to 2013 or whatever. And I want to, you know, and then they'll share something with me. And I'm like, this is a blessing. This is awesome. Because I suspect there is a very large number of you out there that I have no idea who you are, which is okay. It's all right. I still pray for you and I still show up for you. And I will never stop the, uh, you know, the the agreement. I don't I don't like referring to it as an agreement because it implies that, you know, maybe I signed some sort of a document with the Lord. It isn't like that. But I've told the Lord, you know, now, look, do we control our Heavenly Father? No, we don't. Could our Heavenly Father turn the tables over on us and say, look, you know, um, I know you've been telling me all along that you this is how you want to do things and all that, but I'm here to tell you as your Heavenly Father that you're going to do this. Can, our, can God do that in your life and take what you thought was a reasonable understanding between the two of you and, you know, say, sorry, not anymore. You're going to have to go do this. Yes, he can. Of course he can. Mighty, maybe. Mighty, probably. I don't know. It depends on who we are, what our walk is, what our calling is, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of dynamics. And when I say dynamics, it means mutability, changeability that is associated with our walks. It's associated with everything. It's all over the Bible. You know, Jonah, I mean, my goodness, the whole book of Jonah is dedicated to mutability. Jonah was freaked out. He was like, oh, no, not again. You're going to make me prophesy, and then you're going to cut him a break. You're going to make me look like a horse's patootie. Come on. And so Jonah made a run. You know, he's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I've had it up to here with that noise. I don't want to look like a horse's patootie. And then... After all the fuss, the whale, the whole deal, all the fuss and muss and everything else under the sun, Jonah finally goes and does what he was told to do. And then at the very end, he was right. He was right. The Lord tells him, the Lord says to him, what, am I supposed to like, you know, uh, you know, destroy Nineveh, you know, when, when you've got hundreds of thousands of people that can't, you know, where the left hand isn't even talking to the right? And I'm sure, like, Jonah's got to be sitting there going, oh, boy. (laughs) Kind of like we do when we wake up in the morning and when we hear Sonny and Cher on the – and it's like, you know, and then you're having the Groundhog's Day. Oh, I just got a great meme. (laughs) I have to share this with you. Hallelujah. We all need a little bit of a laugh, don't we? I think we do. But I I just got – Speaking of uh, Sonny and Cher and uh, Bill Murray and uh, Groundhog's Day, here, I'll read this one to you. (laughs) Well, so it's got Bill Murray uh, basically standing there. Who knows uh, what, how many times he's been through this repeat day in the movie Groundhog's Day with Patuxetani Phil and all that. But he's definitely holding the microphone up in front of, you know, the uh, people that are, you know, the 
Patuxetani Phil people with this very confused look on his face. <laughs> and the meme says, well, it's day 799 of Build Back Better. And then underneath it says, nothing is built, nothing is back, and nothing is better. <laughs> uh, praise God. Anyway, so I guess, so it's important to note that if the moral of what it is I was led to share with you tonight, which sometimes I start talking about stuff, and I don't even know where it's going to lead. I mean, I, 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 don't, I can't explain it. I, I just can't. If I could, I would. I, I, that, I, I promise you that I would if I could. But I'll just feel led to – I'll just start talking about something or whatever. And then it just like one thing leads to another, leads to another. And all of a sudden I'm, I realize, holy, ma- holy macaroni, this is turning into an, an important testimony. And I'm like, wow. And I don't even see it coming at all. I don't see it at all. I don't, I, and then I'm like, wait a minute. This is, wow. Look at, oh, wow, kind of thing. And so I just realized when I, eat, when I step back for a second and I look at all the things that the Lord has placed upon my heart to talk about tonight, and I see it's 9.15, so once again, <laughs> this is eating up the whole program. Thank you, Jesus. But it's that the Lord showed me something. And no wonder I'm talking about it now. The reason why the wise virgins sent the foolish ones away to go get to go get their own oil was because you can't develop love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. You can't develop it overnight. You can't develop it in 15 or 20 minutes. When you recognize, as the Lord has shown me, that that's the target. that that's the reason why the wise virgins could not sell their oil to the foolish. It wasn't because they were being mean. It was because there was a lesson to be learned. And that lesson is now turned into a blessing for me and a blessing, I pray in Jesus' name, for you. Because now we know that's our target. Now we know what it is. Now we we also know everything else plays a part in it. We need to fall in love with our Father with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And if you're not there yet, tell Him so. Ask Him to help you fall in love with Him. Do it all the time, all day long. It's very important. Sing to Jesus. Become intimate. Talk to him about things that you would... Let's put it this way. I've had conversations with Jesus about things that I was embarrassed. Almost like, you know, I was dumb enough 
to think that, you know, he didn't already know. You know? And then I really felt like a horse's patoot. <laughs> Actually, I felt more like a road apple. And I and then I, I was like, okay, wait a minute. You know, I need to have this conversation with you, Lord. Um, so that that turned into an intimacy between me and Jesus. Getting over that feeling like this is not a subject you want to have a conversation with Jesus about. You know what I mean? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, then, um, and then it turned into, you know, I had that testimony where I was having super bad stress, rolling around in my bed. I couldn't sleep. I was, it was just like that one psalm. You know, there's that scripture where it says like, um, I'm swimming in my sheets all night or something like that in my bed, which is basically you're sweating, you know. Down here in Tampa, Florida, that there's a pretty easy thing to do, unless you have your air conditioning cut way back down. And if you do, you know, expect a $500 a month electric bill. So what you tend to do is you tend to set your, your electric, you know, your, your heating and cooling is set to 78 as a general rule if you have any wisdom at all. And then you get a ceiling fan. You know, you live and die by the ceiling fan. I don't want to say live and die, but you know what I mean. You got to have air movement. Without the air movement, 78 degrees can get awful hot in the middle of the night. All right? And you might be like, well, what are you doing at 78? I'm telling you, man. Let me tell you. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. But I, am, I know what it's like to get a $575 a month electric bill. All right? So anyway, um, all that aside, what a blessing to for the Lord to so now we know I mean I've always known that the reason why they couldn't you know sell their oil was because there was something that couldn't be changed about them right away that they would qualify to leave with Jesus hence they weren't able to sell it and then I thought, oh, wow. And I saw the progression of where this was heading with me in my walk. Like I said, I'm, I'm admitting, I'm confessing before you. You know, it says in James, in the first, you know, we read all the time on this program, James 5.16b, the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. But what's the first part of James 5.16? And so, um, and I will tell you that it's it's that, um, oh, I guess what I'll do is bring up my little Olive Tree Bible Study software package, which I happen to like an awful lot. Not as much as my PC Study Bible, but whatever. At least I'll have my PC Study I don't know. My sister was like, Johnny, I want you to help me so that I can get all of my emails and all of my praise songs and everything. I want to have my email stored on my local C drive, and I need you to help me do all this stuff and, and get Outlook on my machine and yada, 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 yada. And, all. and I said, why do you want to do that? And she said, well, you know, because when the Internet goes down. And I said, Paula, when the Internet goes down, so is the power. And then she's like... Oh, well, I thought of that, and I have these MP3 players that I can use. And I said, oh, yeah? Are they battery? Are they, do they operate off of batteries? And she goes, oh, no, they're solar-powered. And I said, throw them away. And she's like, what? And I said, get rid of them. 
They're not going to work. Go get you some battery ones. Those will work. And she's like beside herself. And I'm like, okay, let me put it to you like this. I live in Tampa. Tampa gets hurricanes. Hurricanes take power grids out. And I know what it's like to go five days without any power. And I have every kind of rechargeable gizmo and gadget that God has ever allowed man to create. With all kinds of rave reviews from Amazon, five stars, 7,000 purchasers. And let me tell you something, on day three, when I had had it up to here and I needed a charge and I had all the chargers to get a little bit of charge back in my cell phone, let me tell you something, those things are worthless. So toss them all away. In Jesus' name. Oh, and by the way, thank me later. Meet me at the Thai Buffet in heaven and just let me know. Johnny, I just, you know, of all the things you shared with me that let me know that my solar-powered stuff was going to do me no good at all was a very kind thing for you to do. So I went out and bought a whole bunch of more batteries. Okay? All right? Take it to the bank. You know, the banks that are failing. <laughs> Trade it in for CBDZ. <laughs> Praise God. But anyway, so there's your answer in why they had to be sent away, that they couldn't sell any of their oil. It wouldn't have mattered because they needed to have the fruits of the Spirit. They needed to be the bride of Jesus. How many people in churchianity today, when the real manifestation of the Holy Bible, complete with the aliens, show up in force, are going to keep that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control? They might have it now because they've been duped by churchianity into thinking that there's someone they're not. But when that big Death Star shows up with all kinds of strange alien vehicles flying around it, and it's on, on every television show worldwide, or every TV news uh, worldwide, And they've been told that aliens are demons, and they've been told that it's going to be a fake alien invasion, and they are staring up in that sky, and they see that thing, and they know dagnabbit well it's neither of the above. They're going to flip. We're not. Now, I do submit that we will probably be, uh, how do I put this? Um, okay, let's examine what emotion we might exhibit out of the collection of emotions that are shared as part of the walking in the fruits of the Spirit, which is our target. That's our target. Now we know what our target is. Of course, to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and our minds. We'll have that love overflowing so that we have good works and we pray for people. We use spiritual warfare, hopefully, take the, take the battle to the enemy. We pray for angels to come into people's dreams and visions of the night, Job 33, 14, and 15, to save their souls from the pit, to seal their instruction. We're, you know, we're doing all that. 
But we are also working on ourselves with prayer, praise, seeking God, knowing what our weaknesses are, knowing that we're impetuous, knowing that that's not necessarily a showstopper, providing that we recognize those weaknesses early on and we start to work hard at getting better to not taking offense to somebody bad-mouthing us at the Christmas party, to not to letting it roll off of our shoulders, to have a really, really, really insulting, miserable, crummy day where you cannot believe, you just can't believe you heard come out of the mouth of somebody at work what you heard come out of their mouth. Absolutely humiliating, devastating, unacceptable, and all you want to do is grab your Louisville slugger and get on a plane and go, I don't know, beat some tree somewhere. But the point is, we know what we're shooting for. Thank you, Jesus. We need to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. We need It's not a matter of faking it. That's the problem. It's not a matter of being duped by something that we were trained by misgiving pastors. You know, look, I don't want to pick on all the pastors. God loves every one of his children. God loves the unbelievers. God loves the transsexuals. God wants all of them to come to heaven. He wants not, not one to perish. Not one to perish. But we, if we're striving, if we are hoping beyond hope that we might be chosen to be part of the first fruit, the first watch, barley harvest, the greatest honor In all the universes, since before time even existed, allowed to reside in our light-transformed bodies inside the humongous new Jerusalem. That's why it says, the new Jerusalem descends adorned as a bride. Not because there's a big hologram of somebody looking like a bride on the side of the New Jerusalem when it comes down like a giant uh, um, alien cube. <laughs> Can you imagine what the people on the on the Earth are going to think when that thing descends from the from down the from? Can you imagine? I mean, just for a second, can you imagine? I think somebody said, wasn't it Odin Hetrick that said it was like fifteen fifteen hundred miles long or something like that, cubular shaped? Where's it? How many places it could it could only land on? I mean, there's only so many places on the Earth it could even hold it. Well, it could land in the center of Africa, probably. It could land in the center of the of uh, the Siberia, you know that area. It could land maybe in the center part of the North America, so that that's a possibility. But it's big. That's real, real big. Adorned as a bride. What that is is that's a metaphor to to let you know that the bride of Jesus Christ, who's been getting nourished in a place of safety. She's eating. Why would it always say that she's, you know, she's taken away to a place of safety where she is nourished, nourished, or eating for times, times, and half a time? 
Why would it say that two, two times in Revelation 12? Why? Because it's talking about the wedding supper of the Lamb. She is going to be eating at the, you know, when you understand the time differential, the time differential between heaven and earth, that three and a half years of hor- horrific great tribulation that's going to be occurring on the earth and that only the uh, tribulation saints, the grape harvest people, which is probably 99% of all Christians, um, it's, it, that is, they're going to be down here suffering horribly. Now, granted, you know, if my understanding, which I think it's right, I believe it's right, there's a lot of supernaturalness associated with the testimony. Uh, You know, John, take the mission, John. Take the mission. If my understanding is correct, and the two witnesses is a metaphor for those of us who take the mission and are sent down here to use the holy fire of God as a weapon against the enemy to help the tribulation saints, I can see where our Heavenly Father would have a lot, a lot of, I don't know what you would call it. I don't want to say respect as much as I want to say, I mean, what better way to be able to choose or select those members of the Bride of Jesus Christ who are the ones that you want to promote to the top of the kingdom hierarchy, the ones who just didn't hesitate and took the mission. Of course I want to take the mission. Can't believe you're even asking me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wonder if the four and twenty elders are like hanging out in a corner, like with a scorecard going, Yeah, that person was pretty passionate. They really wanted to take the mission. I'm gonna go ahead and make them a lieutenant colonel. Oh, yeah, let me make a note here. Love, joy, peace. But it's gotta be genuine, that's the key. You can't fake it. So examine your heart. If that person's bad-mathing you at the Christmas party or your birthday or whatever, and you walk into the room and you feel tensed up and you're like, and then you go like, ah, it's okay, it's okay. You already caught yourself. You goofed up. You dorked it up. You already got gurry. You're like, you know, you felt, at that moment, you were not long-suffering, not really. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, against which there is no law. We need to walk in that. We need to become it. That needs to be who we are, and it needs to be natural, which means that I to use me. I like to make myself my own punching bag because I don't want people who are listening to my testimony say, wow, he's very convicting and and I feel like he's pointing his finger at me and wagging his finger at me. No, I'm not. What I'm doing is I'm wagging my finger at myself because this is my lesson. But wait, I'm part of the body of Christ, which means it's other people's lessons too. And how sad it would be, like I said earlier, that God would share a lesson like this with me, and I would fail to share that lesson with you. That would be kind of mean, wouldn't it? I know last night, um, not tonight, 
today was a pretty good day. It really was. <laughs> Which, by the way, is kind of surprising, really. When you when I when I look back at everything that happened from the second that I woke up until the second that I'm on this program right now. But you know what? Yesterday, I dorked up. I got downright not happy. And boy, that's the under, that's the English understatement of the century right there. I was furious. I had a bad day. Things were said. Um, I lost it, got really PO'd. <laughs> okay. And at that point, snip. I grieved the Holy Spirit. If I was operating under open heavens, thank you very much. Uh, you know, um, how Satan stops our prayers, that white paper. That open heaven that I was operating under up until that point, when I started getting frustrated, when I lost, when I lost my self-control, when I lost, when I let that bother me, when I failed to have long-suffering, unshakable patience, when I failed to remember that I'm a citizen of heaven and this is just a hologram and pretty much everything is a test, really, or some kind of refinement activity after you get past the chastening. Chastening is what God does to you when he's got to smack you around and pull out his belt. He does that to correct your course hard apart. In other words, you're going in a direction that is absolutely going to end up putting you in a very not okay place. And then God will take you behind the barn, metaphorically speaking, pull his belt off and let you have it. And some people... Chastening, if he can't get through to some people that he wants to get through to, he will really, he, he'll, let, he'll let that person develop cancer. He'll let them have tubes coming out of their body. And when they are in a coma, he will send angels down into them and to talk to them to, and they will be in, in, a, in a coma. They'll be in a coma and they will be repenting and praying in tears in that coma to God and saying, oh my gosh, am I sorry. And then all of a sudden, you, the people in the room will hear this sound. Beep. Before they hear, code blue, code blue. And all the people in the room start crying, Uncle Joe is dying. Uncle Joe is dying. Well, at least he believed in Jesus. So how much more blessed are we that God, how blessed are we that I've been this punching bag? <laughs> really, when you think about it, I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, and it's funny when you're going through it, but it's really, it's, re, it's so liberating when you realize that that's what God was trying to get through to you all, the, all along, but you couldn't learn it. You weren't ready to learn it two years ago. Well, you weren't ready to learn it four years ago. You had to have that iterative Training. If you didn't understand the basic, you know, order of operations in algebra, you had no business to be, you know, to be sitting in the trig class. No siree, you shouldn't be there. So God has to give you a piece at a time, and another piece at a time, and another piece at a time. 
My testimony about the first watch key on my keychain, it would have, it just wouldn't have been there. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't be, it, it's just like one of the most amazing testimonies. I, I, I've never heard another Christian other than people who have been like, you know, I, I just can't think of another testimony that I've heard a Christian give that was as, I mean, for me anyway, at least for me, it was the most amazing, it was so mind-shattering and amazing for me to have gone through that with the first watch key on my keychain and how it fit. The only thing in my house that it fit was a uh, luggage carrier that uh, I had nicknamed the escape pod. And that the Hebrew words for the word delivered in um, Daniel 12 means slippery escape. And the first watch key on my keychain. First, first, I'd like to ask you, who out there has a first watch key on their keychain? Okay, let's just start with the basics, <laughs> right? So I'm like so utterly blown away that first that I even have a first watch key on my keychain. I had already written the article, you know, 10 years earlier called Multi-Phased Rescue Mission based on Luke 12, 35, 36, 37, 38, where it says that I come back, from, in so many words, it says that I, Jesus, come back from the wedding supper, and if I find you watching and you are part of the second watch, blessed are you, and I will take you back with me and sup with you. And, and, and if you're part of the third watch, blessed are you, and I will take you back and sup with you. And of course, I, saw, I thought to myself, like I always do, where's the first watch? Where's the first watch? Why is he only talking about the second and the third. That was 10 years earlier. 10 years later, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm looking at my keychain because I am uh, moving some files around on a USB stick and I look over at my keychain I'm sitting right there and right there is a key on my keychain, a funky looking triangle shaped weird key and it says on it, first watch. And I'm like going, What? And then I start praying, and tears are rolling down my eyes, and I'm running around the house going, Father, help me find it. What is this, what is this key for? What is this key for? It's a first watch key. It's a first watch key. What does it mean? What does it mean? Father, please help me, Holy Spirit. Show me the Holy Spirit. And I'm running around the house, and I'm sticking in every little thing. You know, I have these different lock boxes and stuff, you know, whatever. And, um, and nope, don't fit that. Nope, doesn't fit that. Nope, don't fit that. And, I, and then I'm like, it's got to be something in the garage. And I open up the garage door, and I look out across the garage, and I'm like, my my eyes lock on that Sears black aerodynamic luggage carrier thing that you strap to the top of your car. You know, you, you're supposed to have like, um, you know, those bars, those, those bars, those sports bars that go across the top of your car and you strap it to that. <sighs> Ten years earlier. Now that thing, I look, my eyes look right at it. I locked on that thing. And I'm holding this first watch key in my hand. My eyes are gushing tears. And I look 
across. I mean, I'd already been around the house. I'm, I'm panting. I'm panting and I'm bawling like a baby. I've got this first watch key in my hand and I know it has to fit something, but I didn't know what it was. And I'm, and, and I, and I go running into the, uh, you know, I've been everywhere and I go running into the, 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 uh, the, the, the garage and I look across it. My eyes lock on that luggage carrier. Who would have thunk that 10 years earlier, 10 long, a decade earlier, I had nicknamed, I joke you not, this is not tongue-in-cheek, this is not a quip, this is absolutely 100% for real, amen, thank you Jesus, the truth. I had nicknamed that thing the escape pod, because back I got it for the Deepwater Horizon event, and there were all these well-known Christians out there telling everybody that when they, you know, that that thing was going to blow, that all the Gulf states were going to go underwater from a mega tsunami, and then they were going to put, uh, you know, a uh, microchipped bracelet on your hands, and you, you know, when you tried to escape Florida, when you tried to escape Louisiana, and, and there's all kinds of poppycock and boulder dash coming out of the mouths of Christians out there. And um and, and it scared me. It scared me because I wasn't mature in my walk at that time. And so I went and I got that thing for the purpose. It was my bug out bag. That's what it was. It was my bug out bag. I knew I was going to have to throw my dogs in the back of the car. I knew I was going to have to throw a couple of suitcases in the back of the car. Um, and my SUV doesn't have all that much space. I knew I was going to have to drive all the way to Pennsylvania. And um, and then I'm being threatened with some sort of a microchip bracelet they're lying about or whatever. And then I'm... I'm like going, I mean, and, 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 and I'm, I'm freaked out. And then, so I go over to Sears and I get this thing. Well, anyway, I put it on the top of my car at one point, which it was really, really hard to do to climb up on a ladder and to balance your weight across the car. Because if you put too much weight on your knees on the car so that you're able to crank down the braces that hold it to the, the, you know, the, the, I don't know what they are, but the rack that goes on the top of your car, um, You'll you'll dent your car. You'll dent your car. So what happened was after I had bolted it onto the top of the car, and I don't even remember why I did. I I don't know. I don't remember why. Uh, it was probably because something was going on. I was thinking, oh boy, if this turns south, you know, if this goes sideways, I want to have that thing already pre-mounted and ready to go. And so I went out and I mounted it to the top of the SUV, uh, the one that has a big white Jesus, you know, on the back of it, and um. And uh, and it was a pain. It was a real pain to get it up there. And I got it all. It was all centered and everything. And I finally did. And I had to like pop out a little dent that I put in the car because my knee pushed in, you know, and all that. Well, I finally got it mounted. But then I thought to myself, you know what? I'll take it off. It's too much of a hassle. So I left it on the top of my car for like a long time because I could pull my car into the garage with that luggage carrier mounted to the top of my SUV and it would fit just underneath my Genie garage door opener. Perfectly. So I thought to myself, you know, there's not really any wind drag on this thing. And it isn't like I'm trying to win some sort of uh, award for getting like 35 miles to the gallon or anything. I don't really drive that much. So I was like thinking to myself, why bother? Why even go to the trouble of taking it off? Just leave it there. And then, then, my, I, then one day I was pulling into the driveway and my neighbor, two down, two houses down, was out working in the, in the cul-de-sac. And he, sa- he looks over at me and he goes, <laughs> He goes, are you ever going to take that thing off the top of your car? 
And I looked at him and across, literally, I looked right at him and I said, I yelled yelled over to him and I said, oh, you mean the escape pod. And I walked across that garage, tears rolling down my eyes at the escape pod. And the first watch key it right in. I turned it and it opened. Ask me how long I cried after that. I can't tell you. So, is that pretty supernatural? I just like to say to myself, what are the odds? that the escape pod I bought 10 years earlier would be opened by a key that 10 years later I discovered said, first, watch. You can't make this stuff up, man. You can't. It's amazing. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So when I... When I and confessing before you, and that, by the way, that's what the first part of James 5.16b, it basically says, it depends on the translation that you read, but basically, essentially, some of the translations basically say, and I'm paraphrasing, confess of your sins to one another that ye may heal. And that is not a proper translation. I'm, I'm guarantee it. I call that the misery loves company scripture. What that means is that if you're having trouble, okay, guess what? My testimony tonight, as I share with you how yesterday I had a bad day at work and I blew it. That is an example of James 5.16a, half of it. And I'm in the New King James right now, and I'll go to James 5.16. And what it says in the New King James is, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, let's, what does that really mean? Well, first and foremost, we already know that we're supposed to be praying for one another because we cover that continuously on this program as well as the other ones. Um, and, you know, if you need a scriptural scripture to grab hold of, 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So there's your scripture. All right, and then... Um, so what is this about confessing your tre- confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may heal? Does that mean that if you have a pro- a particular personal problem that you're supposed to go to your brothers and sisters in Christ and say, "You know, I I I have this really bad habit and I wait and I do this naughty thing and this is what I do and it's kind of disgusting and I thought I would tell you about it because I really need you to pray for me about." It. That's not what that's talking about. We confess of our sins to our Father. And then our Father forgives us of our sins and cleanses of all unrighteousness, First John 1, 9. What this is about is what I'm doing right now. 
on this program. I am explaining to you that I learned something that's really important for all of us, but for me too, for sure, really, really important for me, especially me, because I'm impetuous. So if anybody's guilty, I'm really guilty. That's what this is talking about. This is talking about someone such as myself saying, you know what? Yesterday, I got really, really PO'd at work. And my behavior went right into the toilet. In fact, I no longer had love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, or self-control. That's our target. Amongst all the other things that I mentioned, you know, loving, becoming intimate with Jesus, singing to Jesus. You know, I told you about when I was swimming around in my sheets and having that really high stress evening and how I woke up and I had that Beth, Beth Midler song. Was, was it Beth Midler who did that or was it somebody else? Um, you know, have I ever told you you're my hero? Never liked that song. Never liked it. Didn't I mean, I really genuinely just never liked that song. And that's why it was so weird when I was, as the scriptures say, swimming in my sheets, that I like kind of like woke up, you know, I was like in a state of a fog, kind of not really sleeping, tossing and turning. And then when I came to full consciousness, I'm hearing clear as a bell in my heart. Have I ever told you you're my hero? You're everything I would like to be. If I could fly higher than an eagle, you are the wind beneath my wing. And I sing that to Jesus all the time now. Because you know what? I might not have liked that song back when it was on the radio. But right now, it's one of my favorites. If not my very favorite. And I just pray that my folly, or as James 5.16a puts it, my trespasses, will help you to heal. And in this case, the word heal isn't talking about a malady. It's talking about us growing in our walk so that we don't need to ask anybody for oil. That's why I think in my heart that when the third seal says, don't harm the oil or the wine, that we're probably going to still be here. That we're probably going to be still here. How much ugly we're going to have to put up with? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know one thing, for sure. I must have, I strive to have, I guarantee I will pray fervently in tears to have Love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. One way or the other, I am bound and determined with the help of Jesus, with the undying mercy of our Father, to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Continuously. I have to learn. I'm confessing of my trespasses to you. I have to learn to not let it bother me. Possible. Given the things we know that are about to be come part of our lives, possibly. Or are becoming part of our lives, even today, depending on what part of the earth you're in right now. That all of us need to work on having love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control all the time to let it roll off of our shoulders, to not let it bother us, to recognize we are citizens of heaven, to know where we're going, to have the joy of Jesus in our heart, and to not, to take pleasure in our infirmities, to take pleasure in our reproaches and needs, to take pleasure in our distresses. For Christ's sake, For when we are weak, we are strong. And in the last five minutes of the program, let's take communion. The old-fashioned way. This is how I like to do it. I've done it before on the program, so it's nothing new to those who are, you know. But um, when I light a candle, um, you know, in the early morning, when everything is really, really quiet. I have my golden bowl of forgiveness that the Father gave me. That's another incredible testimony. It's not as incredible as the first lodger or Shavuot wedding or whatever, but it was kind of cool. But um, I anoint, you know, I have that, the uh, the Exodus blend holy oil behind the veil that I get from L-O-J-O-I-L, Lion of Judah, oil.com, L-O-J-O-I-L.com. I have that, and then I use it like the Levitical priesthood did, where where you anoint the vessels, you know, in the tabernacle. And my vessels are the bottle of wine, the chalice. I have a silver chalice, you know, for taking communion. And then the little um, crystal candy dish. It's very small, but it holds, I'm holding in my hands matzah. M-A-T-Z-A-H. You can get it off of Amazon real cheap. You'll have enough matzo to last you until way after the rapture. But um, it's essentially unleavened bread. It's what the, what the Hebrews or Jews or whatever use for their ceremonies. But anyway, um, and I close my eyes and I let Jesus talk to me. Sometimes I like to start out by singing to him. Because that builds in my spirit an intimacy with 
him because I am looking at him in my spirit. That candlelight. And I let him talk to me, but it's my voice, but I know it's him talking to me. And he says to me, you know, the day I was betrayed, the very day that I was betrayed, I took bread. And I broke it. I gave thanks. I broke it. And I said, take, eat. This is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's some fresh matcha. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This came in the mail yesterday. Praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And then I took the cup after supper, saying, This cup, thank you, Jesus, is the new covenant in my blood. This, too, as often as you drink it. Sometimes I say my name. As often as you drink it, John. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Sometimes I even say, until I come for you. To make it even more personal. I pray in Jesus' name that my confessing of my trespasses to you will help you to heal. I know I need to heal. And I know what I'm shooting for. I hope that you do too. God bless you. We'll see you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice We lift your name on high 
Our hearts are light like those. 